Turn your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6, and um, we'll look at verse 8 through 23 tonight as we wrap up a wonderful day. It's been good to be together in the Lord's house. Trust you've had a good Sunday, and um, looking forward to some fellowship after church tonight. If you found your place, go ahead and stand with me, and we'll read 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning verse 8. You know, in studying for this message, um, this is just a familiar account, um, something that happens in the life of the nation of Israel time and time again, um, where they have their back against the wall and God is faithful to deliver them. And I trust that there's something we can learn here tonight, an application that each of us can make this evening. Let's begin reading in 2 Kings chapter 8. It says, Then the king of Syria warred against Israel, took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall, my, shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him, and, warred, and warned him of, and saved himself there not once nor twice. So in other words, king of Syria had some men, and, and they were his inner circle. And, and with that inner circle he planned, hey, we're going to go here, and we're going to camp, we're going to be safe. Well, as soon as the king of Syria got there, the king of Israel was there to confront him, Rehoboam. And so the king of Assyria started to have some suspicion there. It says, therefore, verse 11, the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for the thing. He called his servants and said to them, will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? One of his servants said, none, my lord, O king. But Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. So he found out who the mole was there. Verse 13, he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send him and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he's in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses, chariots, and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. When the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city with horses and chariots, and his servant said unto him, Alas, master, what shall we do? So his servant, of course, um, having natural eyesight, as all of us are given, saw the immense nature of the enemy and thought, this is impossible. We've come, um, this, is, this is just the end of the road for us, is really what he was saying and what he was thinking. Verse 16, he answered, fear not. Elisha, seeing with the eyes of faith, said, for they, not, they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And for you and me tonight... We can say the same thing. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee open his eyes that he may see. The Lord opened his eyes, opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. Behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Wouldn't that be incredible if you were that servant? You know, here you're with the man of God. You know he's the man of God. You're following him because he is the man of God. And now you get to see and experience something incredibly, absolutely miraculous, something he just couldn't begin to expect to see. Verse 18, And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite the people, I pray thee, with blindness. He smote them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me. I will bring you to the man whom ye seek. But he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass when they were coming to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. The Lord opened their eyes and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. King of Israel said unto Elisha, when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? 
Shall I smite them? So obviously we're thinking of blindness in one sense, but there was some incredible disorientation that was taking place as well. Um, because these conversations um, were taking place in proximity to the enemy. And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite them, those whom thou hast taken captive with a sword and with a bow? Set bread and water before them. They may eat and drink and go to their master. He prepared great provision for them, and that when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. What an amazing miracle. And, and what a story can help us as God's children understand that we're safe in His love. Regardless of the circumstances that surround us, regardless of the obstacles that we face, God loves us, and that doesn't ever, ever change. Let's look to the Lord in prayer this evening. Lord, I want to thank You for Your Word, for this story of deliverance. And Lord, I pray for all of us tonight that we would take this story and, and make it part of our life. Lord, as we walk with You, Lord, as we learn to trust in You, Lord, I pray that each of us could see Your deliverance in small ways and in big ways, but Lord, most of all in meaningful ways. Lord, I pray that we could learn and glean from the story tonight. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. All of us want to be loved. All of us like to receive love. It's important. It's, it's necessary. It's part of our natural development. It's, it's part of maturity. It's part of us becoming a whole person. You know, and at our very best moments, we like to give love as well. You know, I think of my two boys. I have a 12-year-old and an 18-year-old. Um, they're different in age, but they're all so very different in personality. When Ian wakes up, he, he's a morning person. He wakes up, he's happy. He wakes up on the right side of the bed. He, he's chipper. He's going to tell me he loves me at the drop of a hat. Man, he's ready to receive and give love. It doesn't take much. He's a morning person. Isaac's not. <laughs> Isaac's 18. It's not just because he's 18. You know, he's more of an evening person. It, it's not till later in the day that he starts to warm up and we can have conversations and, and talk about things and share experiences and again, be reciprocal in our appreciation and our love for each other. You know, for an evening person, you're best not to talk to them in the morning. That's the love, that's the love you would give them and, and you ought to receive that as love from them because in the evening, later in the day, things warm up and it's great. You know, for all of us, the essence of Christianity can be reduced down to John 3.16, for God so loved the world. God loved all of us. God cared about us so much, He gave His Son so that we could have, so that we could experience eternal life. The love that Christ has for you and for me is beyond reason. It's beyond comprehension. It's not something we can understand. It's an eternal love. Just think about it for a minute. It's an everlasting love. It's an unconditional love. It's for the whole world. And it's something we complete, it's unexplainable. It's not something we deserve. It's just an amazing love that God has for us. It's beyond reason. And all of us tonight are safe in God's love. There's a story that's told of a bear cub. And the mom was killed in a rock slide. Everything looked hopeless for this bear out there in the wild. There are cougars, mountain lions, other predators. But there happened to be a grizzly bear that adopted the cub. This father grizzly taught the cub how to be a bear. How to fish, how to find berries, and how to roar how to survive in the wild. 
All was going well until this cub, this bear, was separated from his father. As, as the story would have it, there was a lurking mountain lion that saw this and took opportunity for some fast food. This mountain lion was positioning himself for the attack. And what did the little cub do? Well, he did what he had witnessed um, the grizzly do. He stood up on his hind legs and gave out a roar, but all that came out was something between a, a squeal and a squeak, and very frightened at that. Well, that wasn't going to do much, and the inevitable was about to happen, until all of a sudden the countenance of the mountain lion changed and quickly slinked away. His cub was shocked. Man, I can't believe my roar had that effect. But about that moment, he turned around to see there was the big grizzly bear standing over him on his hind legs ready to take a swipe and annihilate the mountain lion. The grizzly bear had been there, and because of him, the cub was perfectly safe. In this story, the father bear could be trusted even when he appeared absent. And for us as Christians, we'd be like that cub in the wilderness, subject to innumerable enemies and obstacles, but because of Christ, this world is a perfectly safe place for us. You know, for the children of Israel, this world was perfectly safe. Story you read, man, they experienced God's safety in a profound way, an amazing way. The children of Israel were rebellious. Does that sound familiar to you and to me? But it, God always brought along these outside influences to keep them in line. And the story of deliverance, you know, with Israel, Israel you can just kind of count your way back from story to story. In 1 Kings chapter 20, there's a story almost exactly like this. But one invading army after another attacked the nation of Israel, and God delivered them in His time, in His way. In our story, Elisha understood what his servant didn't. That the greatest moment of vulnerability, we're not alone. We're always surrounded by God's love and protection. Our greatest moments of fear can be our greatest moments and times of safety. Why? Because God delights in us. He loves us. The Bible says His thoughts toward us are tender. Or in other words, God cares about how you and I feel. God cares about our safety. God cares so much about our well-being. Dallas Willard said, with this magnificent God positioned among us, Jesus brings us the assurance that our universe is a perfectly safe place to be. You think of the Egyptians throughout their history. You think about their deliverance from Israel, their backs against the Red Sea, a, a wall of Egyptians in front of them, a wall of water behind them, but God was there ready to deliver them. You think about Joseph, how he felt, being thrown into this pit, a dried out well. There's no deliverance for him. He couldn't see his way out. He couldn't find his way out. He couldn't work his way out. But God was there in prison, in Pharaoh's prison, with no one there on his side. He still had God on his side. David comes in this battle. He sees everyone cowering in fear. Everyone has just been um, just put in total fright by Goliath. But David understood who God was. He understood who he was. And he understood God was there to help him. Turn to Romans um, chapter 8. The Lord catalogs this for us. His, his provision, his, his 
His um, deliverance that He has planned for us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 35, He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Should tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Down in verse 38 of chapter 8 of Romans, He said, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love is a safe place. God's love is something we need to acknowledge. We need to accept. We need to live with that understanding that God's love is present. Psalm 23 verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We might not see Him. We might not feel Him. But Scripture tells us He's there. He's with us. When our backs are against the wall, you can think in your own life of times your backs have been against the wall. Sometimes literally, I can think of times when literally my back was against the wall. I felt like I was overwhelmed, that circumstances or people were going to overcome me. I think of times when literally my back was against the wall. I've told the story before of, of my and Rochelle's experience, Rochelle's mainly, um, right after we were married. She had survived cancer as a child, had 18 spinal taps, um, had 18 months of chemotherapy, went to school every day with debilitating headaches and, and forced her way, made her way, kept up with school. So she's tough. And I knew that's who I was marrying. The day of our wedding, she, well, we stopped at a McDonald's to grab something to eat. She says, I can't eat. My stomach hurts. The next day, we're headed to Chicago. We're about to get on a plane. Can't eat again. Starting to get a little concerned. I remember buying Pepto-Bismol in the Chicago International Airport, trying to help her out. Man, the next two days we talked to every pharmacist, visited every pharmacy, tried everything possible. And by Monday evening she said, if it doesn't get better tomorrow, we'll go to the hospital. Well, I started trying to figure out where is this hospital, and sure enough, we were two blocks away from Memo Northwest Memorial Medical Center there in Chicago. Two blocks from our hotel. So I knew where it was. That night she said, let's go to the hospital. Called down to the front desk, they had a wheelchair, and in all the pain you could ever imagine, I wheeled her over the bumpy sidewalk to the emergency room. Checked in the emergency room, told them you know, she's a school teacher, Christian school teacher, didn't have health insurance, just do what you need to, whatever needs to be done, but we're not gonna do anything we don't have to do. Met with the doctor, the doctor said, we're gonna do whatever we need to do to take care of your wife, which was nice to hear but didn't sound real good to the pocketbook. <laughs> Went through tests, found out she had a bowel obstruction, spent the next four days in the hospital. They um, kindly called it the honeymoon suite. Didn't feel very much like a honeymoon with a GI tube down her throat for four days. Um, but we got out and we enjoyed a great honeymoon and the Lord protected her. And we came home with a big old hospital bill that we couldn't afford. A month later found out the hospital bill was taken care of. Six months later, found out the doctor's bill was taken care of. Even on a honeymoon, with um, experiencing something no one would ever choose, we were safe. Financially, physically, God loved us. God cared about us. We were safe in His love. All of us, at some time in our life, will experience our sense of need will experience God's willingness to bless us and deliver us 
and protect us. You know, some stories are more dramatic, some are less dramatic. But when we walk by faith, we experience God's love in real and meaningful ways. You know, God doesn't envision this world as a perfectly safe place for us. If it was, without obstacles, without threats, we'd be tempted to think we don't need God. And we are constantly tempted to think we don't need Him. But with God's love, His protection, His help, we can defy Pharaoh. We can stand up to Goliath. We can occupy the promised land with all of its giants. We can, as the disciples did, sell our possessions and follow Christ. All these high-risk ventures turned out, like, turned out to be perfectly safe places for those that followed Christ. If we have our trust in Christ, we can take the next step. It's not going to be in the comfort of our back porch, though. You know, because Jesus loved us, He faced pain. He faced betrayal. He, pay, he faced suffering. And ultimately, he, pay, he faced death. Because of love, Paul carried about the cares of all the saints, the burden of prison, prison shackles. For every parent that has loved their child, they've experienced the trouble that comes with raising them and turning those children loose in a hostile world. So with all this difficulty, how can we claim safety? You know, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, the Lord points out the lilies of the field. He says, you know, they don't exist with cares for themselves, but God does care. He says, if He cares for the lilies of the field, how much more does He care for you and for me? If He can take care of the birds of the air, how much more can He take care of you and me? He assures us everything will be all right with us. Well, how do we do this? First of all, the Lord tells us we need to cast our care on Him. What did Elisha say in verse 16? He said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. 1 Peter 5, verse 7, He tells us, Humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt us in due time. How do we humble ourselves? Well, He tells us, Cast all our care on Him. Just acknowledge our dependence. Acknowledge His love. Acknowledge His willingness to extend Himself for us. He has something better for us. Understand how much He cares about us. Don't look to our jobs for financial safety. Look to God. It's tempting. We get a paycheck. We find ourselves dependent on that paycheck because we are. But our ultimate dependence is on God. Don't look to your job for financial safety. Don't look to your spouse for emotional safety. People will let you down. People will disappoint you. People will offend you. People will do things that hurt you. Our emotional safety, the person who protects us and meets our deepest needs is Christ. And we're to look to Him. Don't look to a boyfriend or a girlfriend to prop you up and bolster your self-esteem. Sure, it feels good to have that person that's depending on you that you can depend on. But God wants us and needs us to understand it's important to depend on Him. We can look to money. We can look to possessions. We can look to people. God says, look to me. And in this verse we read, we see that Elisha did. And he asked the servant and told the servant, hey, you need to look to God as well. When he did, what did he see? That God was there. God was always there. God is always there for you and me. 
God needs us to come to Him and depend on Him. Acknowledge who He is and how much He loves us. He says His yoke is easy and His burden is light. You know, we can struggle on our own and all of us do. It's human. It's human for us to attempt to do things on our own. But when we do, we come up against the limits of our own abilities. We need to stop and back up and acknowledge who God is. Acknowledge our dependence on Him. Let Him know we love Him. We know that He loves us and express our need for Him. So, first of all, we need to cast our care on Him. And then secondly, we need to live knowing that God's love and His care is sufficient. Verse 17, it says, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. The Lord opened his eyes, the eyes of the young man, and he saw. Behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. God was sufficient to save Elisha. God was efficient, sufficient to save His servant. God was sufficient to save the children of Israel, but it took acknowledging who God was. You know, God is sufficient to forgive us, and He does. He saves us. But you know, God is sufficient as well to free us from guilt. It's so easy to live under this weight of guilt. Satan wants you and me. We're forgiven. We've got God's love and His grace and His forgiveness. It's a part of our life. And what does Satan want you and me to do? He wants us to live with this immeasurable guilt, something that we shouldn't live under. God loves you. He's forgiven you. He's sufficient to save you. He's sufficient to free you from guilt. He's sufficient to free you from self-condemnation, our own weakness, our own failures that we live with every day. God doesn't want us to live in discouragement. He doesn't want us to live with depression because things aren't working out. The Bible teaches us and tells us it's important for us to have those eyes of faith to be able to see that God will work things out for our good, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of your failures, your shortcomings, your limitations, the limitations of those you live with, the limitations of those you work for. God has something in it for you. God wants to work things out for your good, and He promises you that He will. How did, how did this servant come to this place? Well, first of all, I see it was because of who he surrounded himself with. This servant could have been with anyone. But who did he choose to serve? He chose to serve Elisha, the man of God. Someone who had eyes of faith. Someone who could mentor him. Who could help him see. Who could help him, le help him learn to take spiritual steps that he wouldn't otherwise take on his own. When you're coming to church on a Sunday night when others wouldn't be at church, what are you doing? You're saying, Lord, I want to grow in my eyes of faith. I want to learn to step out and experience you in a greater way. It was important who this servant surrounded himself with. Because he surrounded himself with men like Elisha, he witnessed God's miraculous deliverance. Would he have witnessed, witnessed it in the same way? No, not without this um, time with Elisha. Sure, he, as the children of Israel were delivered, he would have been delivered. But if, would he have seen it in the way that he did if he wasn't close to the man of God? No. He would have missed out on this incredible experience, on this wonderful miracle, if he wasn't close to the man of God, if he wasn't in the place that he was, if he hadn't surrounded himself with people that he could learn from, people that could mentor him, people that could help him see and grow his eyes of faith. If we surround ourselves with people that lean on their own understanding, that's what we'll do. We'll miss out. We won't experience God's blessing in the same way that we would if we surround ourselves with godly people who 
reinforce our dependence on God. Every single day, we'll be tempted. You and I are tempted to depend on ourselves. Every single day, we're, we're tempted to see with our natural sight and not walk by faith. It's important. We need to surround ourselves with people help us help us see that we're safe in God's love. You and I, just like the children of Israel, just like Elisha, just like his servant, we're surrounded by enemies. We're going to face enemies on a daily basis. Those enemies of guilt, we're going to face enemies in disappointment in others. We're going to face enemies in disappointment in ourselves. All of us will face enemies. How are we going to face them? Are we going to face them knowing who God is and knowing how much He loves us, knowing how much He wants us to experience deliverance, how much He cares about us, how much He wants us to experience and acknowledge His love? That's who God is. God wants us to walk each and every day experiencing His love, understanding that we're safe in His love. Tonight, are you casting your care on Him because He cares for you? Are you living with the knowledge that God is sufficient because He is? Elisha did. What he saw out there on that day, on that morning, was not a surprise to him. It was a surprise to his servant because his servant had a lot to learn. And you and I, tonight, we have a lot to learn. But this story ought to challenge us to have eyes of faith, to walk by faith, to know that God's love is sufficient, that we can't lean on our own understanding, that His burden is easy, His yoke is easy, and His burden is light.